Hello, I wanted to talk a little bit about being on the other side of fear. So my page for my daughter, which I keep on Facebook, it's called Wisdom Over Worry. And this page uh, has that name because as soon as I got my daughter's diagnosis, I began to worry. I began to worry about losing her, her dying. And if I had to put one of my biggest worries up at the top of all my worries, that was it, her dying, me not getting to know her. Uh, I think before I knew her, honestly, it was a little selfish. It was me not ever having my daughter, never knowing my daughter, and kind of about me and all that I would miss out on. Once Rose became Rose, um, it's very easy, and I always say this, and I'll continue to say this, the day that I knew it was okay to advocate for her and okay to celebrate her and love her and delight in her, um, the day I just felt at peace with that, then um, it was just so freeing. It was so good. And you might wonder, why in the world would it not be that way? Why would I ever think it wasn't okay to uh, seek medical care for my child? And why would I ever think it's okay to hope that she lives? I'm going to tell you. Unfortunately, the norm in periodontology, that is high-risk care when you're pregnant, and with OBs, uh, and with sometimes even neonatology, that's the specialist that works with your child once they're born. Their norm is to call it cruel to give our children medical interventions. And you know, I talk to a lot of parents with their new diagnosis of trisomy 18 for their child, and I will say that many, 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 I don't know how many times I can say many, because I don't want to say everyone, it isn't everyone, but many people defend their prejudice care. If a person chooses comfort care, I'm just going to stick that way out of this conversation because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that want to intervene for their child. So people that want to intervene for their child, if they are told things that are not nice or accurate, actually, they're not even medically accurate or statistically accurate, and they share them like they're facts, I know pregnant women who defend that doctor, who fear consults because they don't want to offend that doctor, who even strongly consider meetings and appointments and their valuable time sitting with referrals from that doctor uh, regarding a process of um, maybe letting their child go. So I this is huge in our community, and I hear it all the time, and I feel lost about it. I feel like I write about it, share about it, talk to people weekly about it, and I don't really know how to address it because I, on my end, I feel like it's not getting any better. So the most I can do is share with you here on the other side of fear. I don't live in fear that Rose is going to die. I don't live in um, constant guilt 
Uh, I was told I might do that. I might live in guilt of my choices for her. I don't. Um, so I'm going to share what helped, what I appreciated, and what I wish other people could hear. So what I heard that was good, there was a doctor in Moreno Valley, and I had to go meet with him when I was pretty much abandoned by care, and I didn't have anyone anymore. I had told our genetic counselor, and I had told our perinatologist after my amnio results showed full TAT, I told them I was keeping this baby. And not only that I was keeping this baby, that this baby was getting heart repair. I was referred to a place I never even heard of. I didn't even know it was a hospital. And it is not a level four children's hospital by any means. So I was sent to this hospital in Moreno Valley. And fortunately, I met with a doctor who told me detail by detail exactly what was going on with my daughter in his opinion, in his professional opinion. He kept out the smears, he kept out the, the generalizations, and he basically also cleared up a lot. Your baby doesn't have a cleft lip, your baby doesn't have a cleft palate, your baby doesn't have rocker bottom feet, your baby doesn't have a two-chamber heart, your baby has a four-chamber heart, your baby has a very large VSD. That VSD open in and closed and looks like a two-chamber. It is not a two-chamber heart. It is a four-chamber heart. You will need to see a cardiologist to get an echo. And then he also told me, your baby most likely will live. There is no reason why your baby won't live full-term in your stomach. You have a two-vessel umbilical cord that can absolutely support your baby. Um, what else? Just, you know, he went through the facts. And I like to say that. Just the facts, ma'am or sir. Just the facts. And that's what he did, he gave me the facts. Then, he asked me what my plan was. So, he has a long history with the hospital that I do not find to be teen friendly. But he sat with me and he was honest. And he said to me, I am on the fence. I am on the fence with this diagnosis, but... I can tell you, the general trend of medicine is it's changing. It's changing slow and maybe too slow, but it is changing because parents like you are wanting their children and they are finding care. And then he said, are you a soft member? I said, no, I am not a soft member. I don't even know what that is. At this point, I was about 25 weeks pregnant, full throttle, all care for my daughter. In my head, in my heart, in my visions, my kid got heart repair, um, and I wouldn't stop. So he saw that in me. He said, well, I have helped a family with a child with TIT, and the results were tragic, and I really don't know. I really don't know if I regret my choice. I really don't know if it was the right thing to do. But it's your baby and your business, and I also know many like you are treating their kids and their kids are living. Join soft. Ding, ding, ding. That's wonderful. So that's what a perinatologist should do. Refer you to soft. Then, once he, w he was sure that I did not want comfort care, called in the genetic counselor and said, you have to meet her. I said, we've talked on the phone. We have emailed. We have messaged. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to see her. I don't want to talk to her. He went and he got her and he brought her in and we met. She held my hand. We watched some images of Rose on the sonogram and we made a connection and I told her I need help. And they said, okay, 
You'll head over to this hospital. They're the experts. They may, they'll help you. Well, that went terrible. That hospital was not safe. That hospital was not good. That hospital was not going to help me. I called them back and they said, okay, try this. <laughs> so we went the whole other direction to a city two hours away. We were two hours each way from our house. Went there. And you know what? That was the start of something wonderful. So I just want to share here on the other side of fear, the trend of our kids just passing away and asking for care being impossible is going. It's wrong. There's a whole group of us that do get care. There's a whole group of us that want it. I have had hard, hard, hard days and a very sick little girl. I have had days where I'm bogged down with so much medical equipment we are stared at as we go around. And I have days like today. I'm heading into feeding therapy to feed my baby avocado by mouth in nothing but her car seat. I have nothing. I don't have her pull socks. I don't have her oxygen. These days come. These days go. We can do it all. I um, hope this helps somebody today. And remember, wisdom over worry, and we do get on other side of fear. Fear might come back, but we're all the stronger, and we get to the other side. All right, take care.